Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. I see if I can introduce this without blasting the microphone this time, too. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop. We are kicking open the doors for another exciting news update, a special year-end update, too, as we talk about some of the bigger stories from the past year, in addition to uh, the goings-on of this past week. Uh, joining me this week, I've got Robert from our Discord. Howdy. Thanks, Robert, for joining. Uh, Eric's is on vacation, so you're gracious enough to, to step in and and hopefully speak to some of these things uh, better than I can. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Before we dive into today's discussion, though, I'd just like to quick moment say thank you to our friends, sponsors and friends at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped as the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. With those holidays over now, is now not necessarily the perfect time, but probably the last chance to take advantage of our exclusive 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code TWOBULLS at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. Uh, and when it comes to institutional quality education, take a look at tradeproacademy.com. and our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you definitely want to look into the custom tools and studies over at Orderflow Labs. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, you can learn more about our guest today, or you can even ask them questions of your own by visiting our Discord. We'll have links for that in the episode description. Answers to the name Robert R., Robert has been fantastic in the Discord. With uh, uh, he's the one who created our, our custom studies that that we use for CR Track. Yeah, you, you've helped us a lot with uh, back testing and automation. Basically, our coding guru, they like to call you. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I try. I've got a lot of experience <laughs> coding, more experience coding than trading. So uh, I'm I'm learning a lot more, I think, than than uh, what I'm providing. But uh, it's it's my pleasure. Sometimes just do it. It helps learn too, right? And like sometimes it's hard to think of a project. So when somebody gives you one, it just makes it a little easier to to, to dive in and learn something new. Exactly. It's so I enjoy that. So different uh, Discord folks have just asked for things, and it gives me something to do uh, for a few days. That's fun to work on. And some of the stuff you've created have been super helpful too. I still love using the the buy sell zones, and uh, I think we created an EMA cloud. That's right, uh, EMA clouds um, to kind of mirror that. There was one on. Uh, Trading view, we had to kind of put that into Sierra. Yeah. Uh, we have some, there's, I don't know, there's five, six different uh, studies in there now. They're kind of all random. They're different. There's really not, there's like a theme, right. but some of them are pretty useful. Like someone was paying me on Discord today saying they're finding useful use with the, uh, a sig one of the first ones that we did as a signal and, and uh, he had oh, some really? questions about it. Yeah. It's something I'd actually forgotten about. But oh, that's awesome. I, I need to go back and look at that again. <laughs> All right. Lastly, uh, be sure to reach out to us with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. You can do that via email at tubals at financialineptitude.com or join that aforementioned free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Ooh, almost ran out of breath there. 
as I said, uh, <laughs> I <was> links, for, <laughs> links for all that stuff will be in the episode description. All right, Robert. Yeah. Uh, what should we, uh, what should we lead off with today? Uh, well, 2022 is, um, yeah, it's been an average year. Wouldn't you say? Uh, um, no, I mean, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Oh, I kind of want to talk about this SBF thing. You, you mentioned the uh, oh man, uh, the making bail or the bail being was bail denied? No, no, he got so he well, it was denied in the Bahamas, and then he got extradited yeah, okay. to the to the U.S. to New York, and he did get bail for two hundred fifty million dollars. Where is he getting the money for that from? Well, typically when you get bail, and I saw this on YouTube, I don't know personally. It's usually 10% or that, right? 10%, yeah. That's, I got that from our favorite YouTube lawyer, Legal Eagle. Oh, I love Legal Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> There's two good lawyers on, on YouTube, Legal Eagle and the lockpicking lawyer. But anyway, Oh, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, Legal Eagle says, yeah, 10%. It's his parents. And then two other unnamed people are going to have to sign as well to, to provide the 25 mil upfront, you know, equity or whatever to to secure the bond Mm -hmm. and then he's free to stay but he's locked into his parents house he basically can only go outside for exercise okay aren't his parents involved in this too i mean i thought i saw that they had taken loans to purchase properties in the bahamas as well i've always seen this when i've seen people break this down they're usually saying that uh, sbf took the loan to buy his parents property oh okay but his parents are both lawyers so Oh, they probably uh, worded that right. <laughs> probably knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the other interesting bit of news that I saw was that uh, is it Michael Lewis, the the guy who wrote the Big Short and right Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah Moneyball. I didn't know he wrote Moneyball. That's yeah. fantastic. That's such a good movie. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, apparently, he's been following him around for the last six months uh, to write yeah. a nonfiction book about his life. Yeah, I heard that. I got to think that that story has changed in the last uh, <laughs> you think? last month or so. <laughs> I mean, what an amazing thing to happen to a writer to have like the story of the decade show up on your lap like, while you're there, like to see it firsthand. He's got a front row seat. Right. Because he was embedded with him. It's almost not like it's, it's not the first time though, right? I mean, like getting the Moneyball story was huge. Yeah. Getting the, um, the big short was big. That was, yeah. But I, I don't know. Was he talking with, was it Michael Burry? Yeah, Michael Murray. Well, I mean, did, was he interviewing before it happened? Was he? Or did he? Was that all after the fact? Oh, that's a good point. Because he's seen this whole thing develop from six months ago. Right. Right. He's got to have a lot of interesting material. Probably a lot of things that are just complete BS. Now that the truth has come out, or still coming out, probably. That's actually what Peter Schiff said. <laughs> he said that, that yeah. if FBS is going to be the source of information for this book slash movie, then it'll be made up of falsehoods, <laughs> saying that it will not be nonfiction. For sure, yeah. I think they'll have to do a lot of other digging. Uh, well, they well, helpfully, uh, some of SBF's former colleagues have come forward and already pleaded guilty. Yeah, I I saw the what was the girl's name the the wood nymph Ellison. Yeah, Ellison. the wood nymph. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Carolyn Ellison. Yeah, she uh, the testimony that she uh, signed looked like it was pretty damning, saying that like she knew exactly what she was doing. They were taking money from the customer funds and loaning it to the other shell companies. Right, going back to 2019. Right. Yeah, all oh. kinds of shady, shady nonsense. So how much time do you think he does? I think I asked Eric this question. If he gets convicted, how much time do you think he actually does behind bars? Uh, well, I did just watch the Legal Eagles video on this. And he at the end of it, he's basically breaking it down, saying he's got, you know, these charges are 20, 20 years plus fines, 25 years plus fines. But he may not convicted, get convicted on all of them. Who knows? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and he may get slightened. He is a first-time offender. 
uh, though these are all very serious crimes and the, the magnitude pushes it all to first the limit. time yeah first time but they're billion dollar crimes it, it, yeah <laughs> um so maybe it's 10 to 15 years but it's it's a crapshoot who knows so that yeah but that'd be conviction and then good behavior probably gets out maybe half that time i think i put the over under at five last time we i discussed this with somebody that seems reasonable but then you know bernie madoff well, he he died in prison, but he had like a hundred year sentence or something. Oh, uh, really? And he died after twelve years. And they've been able to recover a large amount of that money that he stole. Like he stole twenty billion. They've recovered fourteen billion. So most of the customers have gotten like seventy percent of their money back. Some of them got all. Wow. I don't think that's going to happen to FTX customers. No, because uh, yeah, crypto doing what it's been doing is probably not. <laughs> You'd be lucky if there's 50% of that left just from the decline in the asset valuation. This is one of the things that I saw too, is that he borrowed like half a billion for to, to initiate his position in, um, what was it? Robin hood. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And, and that, now there's a big fight over that. There's some of the creditors are fighting over those 56 million shares in Robin mm-hmm. worth about, I think I looked it up yesterday, about 430 million or something. So that may be the only actual asset left that isn't crypto. Right. And that's BlockFi that's trying to get that. Yeah, no, but they're not the only ones. Right. Apparently, there's a few others that want to get it, and it's like different jurisdictions, and it's it's going to be a mess. All going to be a mess. I just hope that it's not the everyday investor that gets fucked over in this thing, which unfortunately is probably who's going to be last in line to to get paid back. Yeah, probably. And there's, I mean, even if they did get that 400 million out of Robinhood and it gets spread out, I mean, compared to the eight yeah. million that are lost, that's right. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, it, it sucks. It really sucks for the people who got swindled. For the especially the everyday investor, like you said, I think the VCs can handle it. Yeah, they're the ones who are supposed to know better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, what else we got for for news? So I did see something interesting happen this week, or maybe it's happening this week at TSMC. That's a the largest silicon manufacturer in the world, and they make chips for companies like Apple. Uh, and they are having a big event, which they don't normally do at their new Taiwan factory where they're announcing that they're going to mass production with three nanometer chips. And they're having the big event because I guess they had a big event in Arizona not too long ago to celebrate some of the funding they're getting Mm -hmm. from the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, And so they're building, they're spending like 40 billion in Arizona to build some fabs in Arizona. Oh, wow. Uh, And I think there were some people in Taiwan worried that TSMC was leaving Taiwan. And so they're having this event to make it clear they're not de-Taiwaning, they're staying in Taiwan. And, you know, all of their most cutting edge tech is still in Taiwan. So that's where this fab is going to be. And presumably they're going to be making uh, Apple M2 Pro or Max or maybe the M3 chips first with those new with at the new fab and presumably the new iPhone 15 chips. Oh, wow. So we're already going down to three nanometer processors for computers. Yeah. Three nanometer now. Wow. Well, I think Samsung's already there. I think they did that in June. They announced mass production of three nanometer. So they're not the first, but mm-hmm. uh, they've had to delay this for various reasons, probably working out things with Apple. Uh, but now that it's, it's ready to go. And, and I, people think it's probably going to be the M2 max. It's mm-hmm. coming out first. So yeah, but yeah, three nanometer uh, Moore's law lives on. <laughs> yeah. How much longer though? Cause we're getting, we're getting close to like the, the atomic limits, I would think of these chip sizes. Yeah. The, but there's already plans to go. I mean, they're already planning to go to two nanometer. 
Right. Okay. And they're doing R and D like early R and D for one nanometer. Wow. In, including the company, the, the most important, the first step of this is the lithography of, of actually printing the image of the chip on the silicone mm-hmm. or silicon and, and silicone is something completely different. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, Two artists. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ASML, I think, is the company that makes the big lithography machines that, that do that. And they have announced they can do a one nanometer imaging. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got that, and they've got orders for those machines from the big manufacturers, to, so they will get that and do their R and D to figure out how they're actually going to make the chips and what those chips are going to be made out of. Because to do this, you need like they need to figure out new metals because what's going on now is just not going to scale down right in this smaller size. Well, that you need the architecture to because start compressing it more than those little things start putting out more heat, so you have to have some way to remove that heat losses. Well, typically, as things get smaller, the the energy gets more efficient, so there's less heat. Okay. Uh, but there's higher resistance. Right. So, so they have to use different metals to get different contacts going on uh, with lower resistance. Oh, I just figured it'd be more concentrated. Like it may be less heat overall, but the, everything's on a smaller footprint. So, hmm. it's a tricky problem. I, I don't know how. Um, it's it's hard to even imagine what. How machines actually make things this small? Are we getting to the point, or close to yeah. the point now, where you're going to start worrying about things like uh, where the like electrons are? As far as uh, I'm going back to my like nuclear engineering type days, but like when you're measuring atomic particles, they have the they have, like an electronic tunneling microscope works on the principle of like that way you can like just appear at it like tunnel through things or appear in, in different things. So you get crossover leakages. Mm-hmm. Like when electrons supposed to be traveling yeah. on one wire, it may boop, pop over and into the wire next to it. I'm not explaining that well, but. Well, I think that is a problem. I mean, the uh, unintended capacitance mm, okay. uh, of it that can happen to chips is that. But I don't know if they're do- looking at individual electrons or not. I think it's not quite at that level yet. Okay, okay. So we got a little ways to go for. And then maybe quantum computers will take over. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll have to see that could be it's a whole another episode probably find someone to talk about quantum computers i know <laughs> lose half our audience <laughs> <laughs> the right. other half you mean <laughs> long time fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as sue pullen and i'm pleased to announce that she's back fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as sue mackey Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. All right. Um, let's talk about the Fed then. Uh, you did some research on on kind of what's happened over the past year and with some ideas of what to look for for next year. So the yeah the I mean as if we can think back far enough and it was still this year that the Fed started out at zero percent. The Fed rate as we started the year was at zero percent, and they were still doing quantitative easing. Mm-hmm. They were still buying more 
bonds at that time, which seems like a very long time ago. Uh, yeah, it does. And at this point, after the last uh, increase in December, the red the federal funds rate is now at four point two five to four point five zero. It's it's always a range, but yeah, it's at four point two five. And the ten uh, year uh, rate is now at like three point eight percent. Two years at four point three six, which is it's been inverted for a long time. The two uh, the short range, mm-hmm. short duration bonds are much more expensive than the longer dur- the yields higher than uh, the longer range bonds. What does that mean? Like, why is that so important? That's important. Well, it's important because that's typically seen as a really strong indication of a recession happening, you know, six to nine, 12 months down the road after you start seeing that inversion. Uh, okay. Because what they're saying is, is that what, what those numbers are telling us is that, that uh, the interest rate right now is higher than it's going to be 10 years from now. So the 10 year mm-hmm. bond, so the long, at the long term rate, is expected to be much lower, which means the economy is going to be going down. Uh, rates are going to be going down right, in the future. Okay. So that's my understanding of it. But it is kind of fuzzy. And it's not, a, you know, of course, a hard rule. It's just right. what's been noticed in the past. It's, it's hard to see anyone going to argue with anybody about whether there's going to be a recession in the next year. It's just how <laughs> yeah. much of a recession. <laughs> the real question is, are we already in one? Uh, right. Yeah. Are we in one? Are we close to one? I don't think we... This quarter, I think it's actually... the. GDP did increase marginally, mm-hmm. and of course, employment is still really strong. So it's hard to say we're in a, in a recession right now. But I think the intention, I mean, we should be, according to the Fed, they want us to be in a recession basically by the end of the year. Yeah, it seems like they have a war on labor right now. Right, so they can reduce the inflation. So so what, is, uh, what do you think is going to happen next year then? Well, based on the FedWatch tool, which is a guide of, of what, based on what the investors are doing, like bond investors. Mm-hmm. It looks like, and this is also based on what the Fed is saying, looking at a peak rate of around five, five and a quarter, sometime during the year, and then by the end of next year, possibly seeing a couple of reductions where we start seeing some easing down to 475 or so, maybe 450, where we're basically at now. So we might see, might end the year roughly where we are now, but ending on a, you know, on the cut. So that could be, that's going to, if we do hit that recession, if inflation does come down, but I, it's hard to see though that the Fed doing much of a, like they may cut a little bit. Like if we get the five, maybe they'll bring it down to 450 over a couple of cuts. Mm-hmm. But if inflation is still well above two, which is their target, then I don't see them bringing that down very quickly unless we get some other major event, uh, like a whatever. I don't want to, you know, another <laughs> huge war or pandemic or something else happens that causes right. some kind of crisis that causes them to go back to zero again or whatever. Oof, man, as much as I want the markets to go up, I don't want to wish for another one of those. Right. Yeah. yeah definitely could use a year with just not much happening. <laughs> We're talking a little bit about uh, just inflation and, and the rates. And you you had mentioned something about how in order to actually combat rates above 5%, or sorry, in order to combat inflation above 5%, you need to see the rates, the Fed funds rates actually above that number. Yeah, that's, well, it's what I've, heard and uh i have to look up the video where i saw this i believe this was a patrick boyle video that i was just watching and he was saying that it, it and, and i believe it's just something that economists would say that if the inflation rate goes above i think it was five percent or maybe it goes above basically where it is now we're at mm-hmm. we hit almost to 10 but we we're we've come back down to seven i guess in the at least in the cpi that in order to combat that, the interest rate, the Fed rate has to go above five. 
before inflation will come back down. They say why? It's just the idea that, uh, well, the whole, the premise of why you increase in interest rate to reduce inflation is you increase the interest rate, you make it more expensive to borrow money, to grow your business, so you don't hire as many people. Fewer people have jobs, spend less money, right. inflation comes down, and the economy gets smaller a little bit. And then it comes down enough where the inflation rate goes back down to what they think is the healthy level of two, and they normalize rates again. Uh, the other thing that I was looking at when I was kind of just looking at a USA Today article uh, talking about, you know, what to look for for next year uh, is it kind of touching on what you're saying. Like the Fed has, has been consistent with their message that, like, you know, rates are coming up. There's going to be no cuts next year. We're combating inflation. But economists are, are also thinking that, that that that's all just posture and that they're not going to follow through with that. Uh, let's see, uh, Nancy Vadane of Oxford Economics says that she thinks, uh, uh, we think a slowing economy and progress on inflation will allow the Fed to stop short of their forecast. Uh, she's looking for just another quarter point rate increase for February, nudging the rate up to 4.6% and then expecting them to just halt it and hold there for a bit. That would be, that would be interesting if that, if that happened. I, I don't know. It's really hard to say. The other things I could, I mean, we might not see another war, but we could see an escalation in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, and we do see the oil prices are going back up. Russia said they're not going to be selling oil to companies that honor the the cap, the European price cap. Okay. So that's uh, seems to be driving oil up a little bit this week. Is Europe completely off of Russian natural gas too now? I don't think so. I think they are still getting some natural gas uh, from. They're still getting some oil too. They are still buying a small amount mm. of oil, but. By far, most of Russia's oil that they're selling is going to India and China right now, from what yeah. I understand. Yep. I think there's still a few countries in Europe that are getting oil and, and some natural gas. Some have been completely cut off, but some are still getting it. But I'm not sure at the moment which ones. Well, I, I know just as far as gas prices have been, I've been watching them just decline daily. Like Every time I go out and drive past a gas station, it seems like they've dropped a bit. Yeah, that's cool. I don't drive. I don't have a car anymore. We live in the yeah. city. So. I, I don't go out yeah. much, but <laughs> with the move, I've been passing a gas station three or four times a day. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, no, nobody really went far the last week anyway with the, the storms that we had. Well, that's a good point. Probably our consumption is much less than it has been. I did see the last last time I watched the, the, the oil report come out. I think that was last week. That there was a massive build on, on gas features, wasn't there? Or was it oil itself? Actually, I, I wasn't trading last week, so I didn't see that report. I think I asked you about it specifically. Uh, well, that was, oh, that was a couple weeks ago. But we definitely had a huge build a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Last week, I didn't watch it. I, oh, no, actually. Did I watch it last week? Maybe I did watch it last week. And uh, yeah, it, there was a big build. and But oil didn't really uh, go down. It's gone up. So hmm, what does that mean? Yeah, well, it, yeah, I think that was Russia putting its, its uh, finger in again. I was looking into a little bit more just to see what the latest updates were on on the Russia Ukraine war. And it's kind of sad because like it's a big deal for Ukraine, but over here, like it just doesn't get any more press anymore. Is nothing's really changed, I guess. But uh, it was very interesting to see the the comments on that article about how they've been weathering the sanctions, basically. And the question for Russia is going to be: Can they continue to do that? Yeah, well, before the the people of Russia revolt and. Not having whatever it is that they're not having anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really going to be interesting to see how far Putin can push it. The real question, it looks like, according to this, is whether Russia will be able to trade with countries outside of the sanctions regime. 
Um, yeah, the October report from the IMF estimated that Russia's rising inflation proved to be temporary and that integration into non-Western markets would result in a rebound of imports and economic growth in 23. So that's it's actually kind of surprising. I would have thought the sanctions would have had a lot bigger effect on them than that. Well, India and China aren't really honoring them. Right. So they are still trading with Russia. Those are two of the biggest markets in Asia, too. Yeah, a huge market. Well, China in particular is a huge market. I got to say, though, it's pretty impressive how well Ukraine has held off Russia. So that either speaks to how well Ukraine is being led or how poorly <laughs> Russians' military is. <laughs> it's probably a bit of both. Right. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, Ukraine, certainly, they're, they're defending the home territory, so they are inspired. Right. to uh to defend and you know give them credit for that and uh and they seem to be doing a good job and some good tactics uh but russia does seem to be a, their military seems to be in a fairly sorry state based on it really does yeah like, ah, like that the the su-57 was supposed to be like one of this this plane that can you know compete with the the top of the line stuff that we have here and i've seen at least a few of them been shot down by some you know ukraine's uh forces so Wow. I mean that that doesn't bode well for <laughs> for next gen fighter. Probably gonna have a hard time selling those too to to countries like China. Yeah, I think yeah, their image in that that industry is probably taking a bit of a blow. I would say so. Ah, oh, all right. Oh. Got anything else that we should uh, cover for for the end of the year? Basically, uh, Tesla dropping almost seventy percent in the year. Those uh, Elon done selling shares. Uh, well, he said he's not going to sell any in 2023, but he he said that before. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> see what goes on with Twitter if he has an, another think, margin call. I think he also I think he also told or had a Twitter poll too to see if he would uh, step down as the head of Twitter. He did, and he yeah, and they said yes, he should. Yeah, and he said he uh, he said he was going to step down as soon as um, as soon as he found someone dumb enough to take the job. I think he said. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, that whole thing came about because of what you said, the declining stock price. People thought he was spending too much time on Twitter and needed to focus on Tesla and stop that from going to the toilet. It's actually reading, it's on, oh, I should look up this article, maybe we can, hopefully we can post a link to this, just that Tesla is going to, this uh, opinion was that Tesla was just going to see a lot more headwind and a lot more competition than they're used to. And they're, you know, they've, they've had about what was their market share in EV? It was like 70 or 80% at one point. Now it's down to below 70%. And they're looking, they're thinking it's going to be in a couple of years down to like 25%. But yeah, that's a huge drop in, in market share. So that's a drop in market share, but it's also, I think, going to be a huge increase in the size of the market because right, right. all these other companies are releasing EVs. So they may not necessarily have their sales go down because of that. They're just not going to have as much of a market and as much control as they have now in the EV market. Um, I think I saw, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, okay. Stop bringing up stuff. Cause we're starting to run long here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, God, I hate ending these things. I never remember how to do it. <laughs> well, it's been a great year. I think overall been, it's been a great year on the discord and hanging out with you guys. So I definitely have thanks for that. And great wishes to have another, you know, another great year working together on the discord. And thanks to everybody for sticking around. Uh, if you've got questions or if you've got studies that you want Robert to take a look at for you, feel free to join that Discord and ping him. Uh, Do it soon while they're still free. Uh, right. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There's no plans to charge for that ever. I don't, uh, I hate charging for information or knowledge. That's I not know, something yeah. I've ever been on, on board with. Yeah, I'll do as many as I can, as long as I can. <laughs> oh, for you, while you're free. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, well, I'm free, yeah. <laughs> yeah fair enough. 
All right, folks. Well, uh, like I said, thanks for sticking around to the end here. We'll be back at you soon with another exciting episode, most likely in 20. Oh, no, no. We've got uh, we've got one more coming out this weekend. Last one of the new year or the old year for the new year starts. Keep an eye out for that. We'll be back soon. Till then. Bye. Bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.